There's a verse in Proverbs that says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. There are many today who would say, Hope deferred is hope denied. We all have hopes and dreams in our lives that we never saw come to pass. We think back over the years, we think back to our youth and the vitality and vigor of our lives. We had great plans of our future, things we wanted to accomplish. We hoped we could do it. We set out, we tried, only to have the circumstances of life prevent us from fulfilling them. Some of them have to do with health. Some of them have to do with a spouse. Loss of a spouse. Loss of someone we love. The death of a grandmother, a mother, a friend. And we had hoped that God would provide health for them and it didn't come. And we are tempted to conclude that hope deferred is hope denied. And oftentimes, especially in our day and age, we find that phrase applied to the return of Christ. There are many in our day who say that is an old wives' tale. You believe that? That's a bunch of foolishness. Forget it. There's no such thing as God and He's never coming back. Forget about it. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Live for the moment. Satisfy your desires and pleasures of life. Because there's nothing more. And we have concluded. Hope delayed is hope Denied. It'll never come to pass. And we have that temptation oftentimes to wonder is it really true? Will he honestly return? Well, the scriptures that we read a few moments ago, we will examine because the disciples in the time of Christ had some of the same questions that you have. And they asked him, and they said, Jesus, tell us about these things. You talk about them, about your kingdom, and how you're going to come to earth, and you're going to set up a kingdom, and we don't understand. What are you talking about? And one day, Jesus sat with his disciples, and he explained to them, not in full detail, but he laid out some truths for them by way of a parable that they could understand and have some glimpse into this return of which he spoke. Jesus taught often in parables. He used them because they knew them. They understood the setting and the stories that he told them. In this instance from Matthew 25 the 
passage that we read a few moments ago. It describes a common everyday event of that day. A wedding feast. Not unlike ours. We have wedding feasts in in our day. I remember when Diane and I married, we had punch, cake, a little brick of ice cream, and mints. Nowadays, if you offer that on a wedding, they wonder about you. (laughs) Where's the food? Where's the meal? Where's the chicken? Where's the rice? And all of the things that go with it. Well, in that day, they had a wedding feast. And this parable that Jesus spoke to them described an everyday event for them. It describes the wedding feast. The bridegroom would go to his bride's home, pick up his bride, mount her on a a donkey or a colt of an animal that was used for carrying people, and would go throughout the city and streets, And everyone would know this couple plans to get married and they would join in the hilarity and they would rejoice with the couple as they paraded through the streets, ultimately arriving at the home of the bridegroom where family and friends would gather together for the wedding feast. They would come together, the bride and the bridegroom together, And they would celebrate with food and festivities. Not uncommon, virgins would attend. They would come to the wedding feast, wanting to participate in the occasion as well. On this occasion, it was at night. And the virgins brought their lamps. Again, a familiar scene on that day. When a virgin would go out at night, she would carry a lamp and would carry it right in front of her face. Not only so she could see, but so that others would see that she was a woman and would take care not to assault and hurt her. Ten virgins came. Five of them brought extra oil, just in case. Five of them only brought their lamps. When the announcement came, the bridegroom is here, the bridegroom is here, they all rose to to join in the celebration, and the five who had prepared ahead of time with the extra oil, they trimmed their lamps and added the extra oil so they could proceed into the celebration. And then there were five of them who trimmed their lamps, and oh my, they didn't have any extra oil because they didn't prepare They wanted to get some from the others, and they said, Oh, no, we're not going to give you our oil. If we give it to you, we won't have any for ourselves. So they went in. They joined the five who prepared, joined the party. The five who failed to prepare went off to get oil for their lamps in hopes that they could come back and join the party later. When they returned, the Lord of the feast and of the banquet had closed the door and said no, the door is shut I don't know who you are no so they could not participate in the celebration 
that describes a common wedding feast and process in the day of Christ. The Lord Jesus used that parable as a means by which he could explain to his disciples some of the aspects about his return when he would come back. He had told them in very clear terms that he would leave. He would depart from them. And he would send the Holy Spirit who would come to live and dwell within them in his place. But that he would come back again at another date. So he used this parable to describe and explain to them that yet future event when he would return. For example, he explained to them through the basis of a parable the certainty of his second return. As I mentioned a few moments ago, that has undergone attack in our day. He's not coming back. There's no such thing. Same in that day. And Jesus used this parable to encourage them and remind them he would come again. Just as this bridegroom came with his bride, so I will come again. And it's particularly meaningful that he used the parable about the bridegroom because he frequently in Scripture described his relationship with his followers as similar to that between a husband and a wife. And he used marriage as a picture of that relationship. Christ, the bridegroom, his followers, the bride, joining together as one, bridegroom and bride, as in marriage. And so this picture of the parable fit that description of his relationship very well. And he used it to remind them and to encourage them of the certainty of his return. Now you will notice as we went through the parable reading it a few moments ago that there was a delay that occurred. And they weren't quite sure when the bridegroom would actually come with his bride to begin the party. And Jesus wanted them to know that although he assured them of the certainty of his return, he also wanted them to realize the uncertainty of when it would occur. He didn't spell out a date and say on this date, on such and such a day and month, day and year, I will return. He didn't say that. Nowhere in scripture does he state that. Thus when we encounter people in our day like Harold Camping, for example, who says it will occur on such and such a day and he names a specific date, we know we can't trust him. Because Jesus didn't even know. And my friends, if Jesus doesn't know, 
Harold Camping doesn't know. And Jesus wanted his disciples to realize they wouldn't know the exact time and date he would return. That he left uncertain in their minds. Another thing this parable reminds us is the necessity of preparation. Five of the virgins prepared ahead of time. They took extra oil just in case. Kind of like my father did for me when I was young and I would go out from home to an occasion with other kids. He'd say, take your coat, Tom, take your coat. I don't need my coat, it's lovely. You might need it. If you need it, you have it. If you don't need it, you got it with you just in case. That stood me in good stead on many occasions. These five virgins followed that counsel. They took extra oil, just in case. Just in case there was a delay that would occur, they would be prepared with extra oil and not have their lamps go out for lack of fuel. Five of them failed to prepare at all. They didn't take any extra oil for their lamp. Jesus used that situation to remind his disciples the necessity of preparation for this certain return at an uncertain time. And because of its uncertainty, we must prepare now. Not wait, because we might wait too long. I saw a bumper sticker not too long ago that said, There are many people who plan to get right with God at the midnight hour, but they die at 11.30. Just a reminder that we dare not put it off. So Jesus used this story to remind his disciples of the necessity to prepare for an uncertain time. We also see from this story that there were consequences for not preparing. The failure to prepare resulted in dire consequences. The Lord of the feast only permitted into the celebration those who had prepared. The others had to go to get oil for their lamps And when they came back, the Lord had shut the door. Too late. Too late. There were consequences for failing to prepare for an uncertain time for the return of the bridegroom and his bride. It further points out to us that there aren't multiple chances after the door is closed. It is very popular in our day for people to think that that's all right, you know, something God God is good, and after I die, He'll give me another chance somehow. No, I'll get another chance. I'll get another chance. I'll get another chance. In fact, there's a very popular young man right in our own community who has written a book and espouses that very doctrine. 
And it's not true. It's not true. And this parable points that out. Once the door is closed, the door is closed. Confirming to us the importance of preparation while we have the opportunity to prepare. And not wait until time has passed. Jesus used a simple story of a common everyday event of his day to point out to us these truths about his return. What can we conclude? Because of the certain return of Christ at an uncertain time, therefore we must prepare ahead of time so that he will include us into that grandest of all marriage feasts with him and not be excluded from that celebration. Well, how can we prepare? How can we get ready for that uncertain event that Scripture confirms to us will occur? Jesus couldn't have made it more simple than he did. When he went out to proclaim and declare his kingdom, we read in Mark chapter 1, it said he went out into the cities declaring his kingdom, and he just simply said, repent and believe. We have a great tendency, especially in our land, but as humans, to think we can do anything. We have a granddaughter, three years old, who can do anything. Last night we watched them while their parents joined in a party. As our granddaughter got ready for bed, Diane said, Let me help you with that, Violet. Let me help you take off your shirt. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. So she went off to remove her shirt to get ready for bed and as you figured encountered a problem and she couldn't do it and so Diane then helped her but we have that still within us I can do it I can do it I can somehow satisfy God I will work hard I will do good things I will be faithful to him I will read the Bible I will pray I will do good deeds for my neighbor and we have a long list of things that we try to do to make God happy with us I want to assure you my friends you cannot you cannot satisfy him I don't care what you try. I don't care how long you've tried. I don't care how fervent you are in your trying. You cannot satisfy Him. But the good news is, He did provide a means by which you can satisfy Him. By a substitute. 
someone who did it on behalf of people like you and like me. That's his son, Jesus. Jesus himself said, the Father has sent me to become an offering on your behalf. If you will simply believe me, trust me and what I do on your behalf, that will satisfy God. And we must turn from all self-reliance, all self-righteousness, all good things that we try on our own, and trust what God provided for us. Jesus, His Son. And He made it so simple. Repent and believe. And Jesus said, All who come to Me, I will in no wise cast out. I will receive everyone who comes to me. So how do I prepare for that grandest of all wedding feasts that will certainly occur at an uncertain time? I can trust the bridegroom. I can cast my faith and trust upon him. And trust him. So that when he comes to join together his family and his children, his followers, to join with him in that grandest of all wedding feasts, he will include me. And he will call me to join him in that celebration. Now there's another way to prepare that we see stated at the very end of this parable. After he got through all of the parable, he then made a statement to him, watch. Watch, for you don't know the day or the hour. Watch. Anticipate. Expect. Look for. With vigilance and care and preparation so that it doesn't catch you off guard. Unprepared. Are you ready? Have you prepared? Would you fall into the category of the five wise virgins or the category of the five foolish virgins? And if the bridegroom, the heavenly bridegroom, the Lord Jesus himself, if he were to come today, uncertain time, remember, if he were to come today and even our lives are uncertain. We don't know the day or hour when God will take our lives for the final time. Uncertainty. Would you find yourself included or excluded? I pray that the Spirit of God will open your eyes to see what you need to do to prepare for that uncertain, yet certain, event. What steps you need to take in order for him to include you. And then watch. Wait expectantly, anticipating his return to include you in that grand celebration. I will be there. I want to see you there, too.
Let's close with prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making some difficult to understand truths simple with this picture of a common event in our lives. Common even in our day. So that we can catch a glimpse of what you want us to understand about your return for your followers. I pray that by your Spirit you will help us to prepare. Perhaps some here need to seriously prepare and trust you as their bridegroom. Others of us here have trusted him already. And we need to watch, expecting with vigilance your return to take us to that wedding feast that you have prepared for your followers. I ask, Father, that you would work these things into our lives today by your Holy Spirit. That your name might be honored and glorified and praised. And we will thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for what you accomplish. For I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.